Welcome to week 111 of the Two Guys into Friday's podcast. My name is Steven. That over there is Travis. 111 make a wish. Or 1111 make a wish. When we get to episode 1111. You can still make a wish on 111, I think. Make a wish. Yeah. Uh, Hey, we're a TGIF podcast. We talk about all the shows that aired on TGIF 30 years ago before this date. And uh, before we get into it, thanks to uh, Deep Nightingale for the theme song this week. Deep Nightingale. That's a good name. It's a name for sure. It's um, a good name. Yeah, good song too. Uh, make sure you're following us on all social media at TGIFCast. You can go to our YouTube channel. Just search Two Guys Into Fridays. And if you've got emails to send us, whatever it is, uh, do that. TGIFCast at gmail.com. Good Thanksgiving recipes, whatever. Yeah, maybe some Dorito salad recipes. That's true. If you have a preferred Dorito salad combination, we'd love to hear it. Uh, would love to hear it. So I already said that the that we watched the episodes 30 years later. These are episodes that would have aired when, though, Travis? So these would have aired November 1st, 1991. All right. Um, you want to get into it? Or we got anything else before? Oh, no. How about some... Yeah, uh, you know, we got news. We got music. We got movies. Let's do that we stuff. got birthdays. We got the whole, yeah. the whole gamut, man. Uh, so, yeah, looking back 30 years ago, what was going on in the world? Uh, I pulled a sports story because it's kind of relevant. Um because the, the Bra- Braves go to the World Series. The Braves are in the World Series right now, and the Braves lost the World Series on October twenty seventh, nineteen ninety one, to the Twins. One of the one of the women that I work with, she's a big Braves fan, and she's like, "This is a big deal. The Braves haven't been to the World Series in twenty five years, or something like that." And I thought, man, I feel like when I was a kid in the nineties, the Braves were in the World Series like every year. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that was thirty years ago, so she's not wrong. It just. That's like if somebody were to say, like, the Cowboys haven't been to the World Series in 25 years. I'd be like, yeah, but, but in the, when I was a all kid. All the time, yeah. Yeah, that was all the, it was like them every year. I was so. a big, I was a big Dave Justice fan. Uh, Cool, cool. <laughs> I remember I he was, um, what did I just watch with David Justice in it? Oh, was it man. something with Holly Berry? No, he, oh, Moneyball. I just watched, rewatched Moneyball and he, he's in Oh, that he's movie. in that? Yeah, well, as, as David Justice, yeah, he yeah. plays himself in the movie. Yeah, because it was it's about when the Oakland A's like put together their their team that went to, I think it was the World Series, um, and he was one of the players that they're like he's he's later on in his career we can get him for cheap and he's still got a we we think that he's still got a lot left in him to huh. to offer. So yeah, David Justice, he was in that movie. Uh, what but, about movies? Musicals number one this week. Yeah, so number one song is still the same. It is Mariah Carey, Emotions. It's got to um, be almost done. Last week, three weeks. Next week, we got something new. All right, another Mariah uh, Carey I'll have to listen to the next week. I don't recognize that at all. No, not Mariah Carey. I don't know who this person or what this song is. Okay. So it'll be interesting to I'm go back excited. and listen to. Um, and then movie is uh, House Party 2. Nice. So Yeah, and uh, so I, I wa- House Party 1 came out in 1990. So I watched that last year when I was doing all my 1990s movies. So I went back and rewatched House Party 1 again this week and House Party 2. Yeah, why House not? Party 2, I think. What's that? I said, why not? Just go watch it again. Well, you know, the first time I watched House Party 1, I was I was like, eh, it's all right. I don't get it too much. Uh, and I still felt the same way this time. I was hoping I'd like it better. But House Party 2 is is the superior of the first two House Parties. A lot more fun, right? It's a lot more fun. A lot more fun. Um, I don't know. I, I've never seen House Party 3, so I don't know if it gets better or worse from from here. But I also know there's like three more more modern sequels as well. How many of them are getting play in? 
I know they're in the first three. I don't know if okay. they're. I so I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess they make appearances in the more modern sequels, just because like what else is you know that's like their legacy. Why I was even sure they were in part three. They're definitely in part three. Okay. They're definitely, and I say that not knowing that at all, but assuming that they're definitely in in part three. Macaulay Culkin um, is definitely in Home Alone part three. No, he's not. I don't think he is. He's, de- I, I, he's definitely not. Because that's the ones that they made those years later. What they about part six? Just... Is he in part six? All right, look. And part six, you mean the one that's like just being planned? I think that's what, no, there's one coming out right now or something. Coming out currently? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I might be fine. I don't know. Kid and Play is in the third one. So is TLC and Bernie Mac. The new Home Alone uh, also might be a show and not a movie. And uh, that's about all I know. They just announced, or I guess I don't know if they just announced, but they've like formally announced the release date for the um, Home Alone Lego set, the house Lego set. Oh, uh, with like working traps and stuff, I would hope. It's got it's got traps in it. It's got, I was really, I was really, really excited that it's got a little uh, piece for the Michael Jordan cardboard stand yeah up. i was gonna say does it have that whole yeah thing? it does it does so uh so yeah does it have a tv it, playing a gangster movie on it i think it does have a tv i don't know if there's a sticker on it that's playing anything but it looks cool it looks really cool do lego sets have audio ever like audio uh, components i guess I don't the know mario any... one does right that makes yeah, noise yeah the mario one does yeah i mean i guess they can i don't really know i don't have many with electronics except for the mario and luigi Fair enough. Um, any birthdays this week? Yeah, one of our favorites. Um, Brooke Thies had her birthday hey. on Saturday. So happy birthday, Brooke. Uh, 23rd. So I might keep her on there. She shows up again in a, in a couple guest appearances. And she's... Uh, I'm going to go to a con that she's at. Like that's It's in my in the plans. I, I mean, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. I would love to meet her in person. Yeah. Um, yeah. You want to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. Full week of shows, 8 o'clock, Family Matters. This is Season 3, Episode 7. The name of the episode is Robo Nerd. We talked about it a little bit last week, like teasing it, and uh, I don't think I'd consider this a Halloween episode, Travis. There's a little bit of, like... I don't, like, I don't think so. Drama, tension, kind of scariness to this. It's not straight-up Halloween, but it's there's some, like, kind of horror elements to this movie, or to this show. Episode. Horror elements? Calling Laura horror, horror, oh, horror. horror, horror elements to this to this episode. All right, so we get a little bit of an Urkel intro. It's also one of those uh, intros that Family Matters has really gone to and like making it go right into the episode now. But um, yeah, it starts off with Eddie. He comes home. Laura's in the kitchen. We find out Eddie needs to borrow fifty bucks. Um, he, he apparently he's been getting a lot of automobile tickets, and uh, he got another one for not stopping at a stop sign. He didn't know he was supposed to stop every time at the stop sign. I mean, it's probably questionable in Chicago. Yeah. Um, Laura's like, ah, I can't do it. I got to save up some money for a new computer. And uh, Urkel comes in. He's in a lab coat. And he came over. Well, first he came over for a fish stick break. And uh, in case you didn't know, Urkel likes to eat his fish sticks still frozen. Uh, right out. He goes to the freezer, grabs a fish stick, and just pops it in his mouth. Fish sticks are not pre-cooked, right? Those are raw. Like raw frozen fish, I'm pretty sure. I... Have no idea. No, I, I gotta think that they're pre cooked. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, it sounds All gross. Right. He wants to make sure it still tastes like the ocean or whatever. And uh, 
Then he tells uh, Laura and Eddie that he is working on making an artificial intelligence robot. Like, this is going to be, I guess this was the first one. I don't, well, it couldn't have been the first one, but maybe. Yeah, this is the, this is the first one that, I mean, in theory, he will be creating the first artificial intelligent robot on the planet. Okay. Um, so, yeah, and uh, there's a big competition. He entered it, and he's going to be submitting this robot into it. And first prize is a new computer. And what do you know? That's exactly what Laura is saving her money for. Yeah. So in theory, this works for everybody because of, well, what we find out is that Urkel got the computer or he already has a computer from uh -huh. his uncle, Kerner Vernal, Werner von Urkel. And so he's like, if I win this computer, Laura, you can have it. And in theory, they don't talk about this, but then Laura can loan Eddie the 50 bucks oh, since she no yeah. longer will need to save the money for the computer. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. So everyone's going to win. Uh, and, of course, you didn't mention Steve wins, too, because he uh, is going to make Laura happy and then thus right. maybe giving him a shot to his end goal of marrying Laura Winslow. And she freaks. She hugs him. She's so excited. And when she hugs him, he goes into his, like, freak out kind of overload mode. Smashes into the wall and eventually faints on the ground in the kitchen. Man, that just gave me a... a We'll talk about it at the end. I feel like this this episode could have ended differently. Okay. So after the theme song, we come back to Carl, Harriet, and Rachel. They're watching, uh, I'm pretty sure it's Wheel of Fortune, right? So yeah, it seems like it's Wheel of Fortune. I, I don't know what else it would have been. They can't figure out what the uh, answer is. Then Judy and Richie come in, and Judy and Richie like know the answer immediately. And, immediately. Uh, kind of make them mad. But uh, Estelle comes in. And uh, she's uh, going dancing with uh, our good friend Fletcher Thomas. Fletcher and Thomas. Carl is not happy about this. He you even says that he does not like that Fletcher Thomas. You would have thought that by now he'd be used to it because they've been dating since at least last season. Yeah. If uh, not two years ago. Um, she tells uh, them that she's spending a lot of time together because uh, they don't know if they have a lot of time left, which I guess makes sense. She's 80. He's 83. And uh, also, not only that, they also get two for one at the hot tub club. Good for them. Do you think it's like over the age of 80 gets two for ones at the hot tub club? Or do you think how do you, how do you think that works out? And maybe it's more. Well, I was going to say it's more like an early bird special, but that's not the case because they're going out at night. So. Well, no, they're going dancing tonight. They're not going to the hot tub club. She just says that they're together because of the hot tub club, right? Like, I don't think the um, I don't think the dancing thing is because of that. But anyways, from here we go. Um, I guess a few hours later, uh, Carl has fallen asleep in his uh, chair in the living room, and he wakes up. A few seconds later, Estelle comes back in. And we find out it's six fifteen in the morning, and she was in with the morning Fletcher Thomas this entire time. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, you think she was awake the whole time? Mm, I mean, she's. I don't know. When you're That's eighty, you wake up before six fifteen, anyways. That's fair. That's fair. I, 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 my brain thought that they were out partying all night, like at the after hours club, the hot tub club, until it shut down, you know, and that she just never went to sleep, but. It's possible. Understood. Your, I don't know. Your point's taken. Your point's taken. Um, once again, Carl tells her that he does not want her seeing Fletcher anymore. And uh, it's funny because it's like she's the mother. He's the one telling her to do all this stuff. Right, right. And she calls him stubborn as a mule and also reminds him that he does not need to act like a jackass. 
Yeah, she straight up calls him a jackass. Some vulgar language for APM on uh, TGIF. On TGIF. Yeah. But it's it's impactful. It's it's meaningful. It is, yeah. Um, so we go to the kitchen, and Eddie and Waldo are in there. And Eddie is, um, he's, like, throwing grapes into his own mouth and, like, throwing them at Waldo's forehead. Like, I don't know if he wanted Waldo to try to catch these in his mouth, but I blame Eddie's throws as much as I blame Waldo's attempts to catch these grapes. I think the intent is to blame Waldo's attempts to catch the grapes, but that's fair. I'll take both. I think both is I think both is a good way to go about it. Well, you've already agreed with me twice this episode, Travis. It doesn't happen that often. I think it happens more than you realize. So um, Eddie tells Waldo, he reminds him, hey, I've got to pay this ticket. Um, if I don't, I could lose my license. He asks Waldo for 50 bucks, and Waldo says he can't give it because his family is saving up money to send his brother to the Olympics. Ronaldo Faldo. And uh, Eddie asks him what event he's going to do, and Waldo's like, oh, he has to pick an event in advance. He was just going to go to Barcelona, get in the shortest line, and uh, just enter something. So for the best. Um, so He's probably we- going to sign up for, like, archery. You think he's an archery guy? Yeah. yeah. He could be. Um, yeah, we'll go archery. So Urkel comes in, and he's looking for Laura, and he uh, lets them know that he wants to show them something. So I think this might have been a later scene, too, because uh, I don't think Waldo's there anymore. But uh, Eddie, Laura, and Urkel run into the living room, and uh, under a sheet, Urkel unveils the Urkelbot. The Urkelbot, the debut of the Urkelbot. Yeah, and I mean, it looks exactly like Steve Urkel, and when he turns it on, it walks like him, it talks like him, it moves like him. He's got, like, his voice programmed into it and everything. And uh, Eddie is the first one to be blown away by this thing. And uh, Urkel tells him that it has artificial intelligence. And uh, every 18 minutes, and it was either 25 or 35 seconds, the Urkelbot actually gets smarter. Like, it learns and is able to... It doubles. Yeah, it's intelligence doubles. Urkel says 20 minutes, and then the Urkelbot corrects him with the exact number, which, like you said, 18 minutes and something, I think. Yeah. So... And the Urkelbot, just so we know, is played by uh, Michael Michael Chambers, who is a like professional breakdancer. Oh, okay. Did we see the Urkelbot breakdance this episode? Well, I think the whole like robot movement is kind of... Okay. The, the, I feel like get, maybe in the future it actually breakdances, like spins on its head or something. That very well might be the case, but not in not in this episode. This is really just like the robot moves and, and, and whatnot. Okay. Uh, Urkelbot sees Laura, um, lets out a whoa mama, and uh, Laura is now also amazed by the Urkelbot. And uh, the Urkelbot tries to go in for a kiss with Laura, but uh, Steve quickly stops that and says that he's going to reprogram it immediately because uh, he does not want the Urkelbot taking his woman. And uh, he tries to turn it off, but the Urkelbot has, uh, I think, bypassed the switch, so it doesn't even work yeah. at, at this point. Right. The, the robots have started to become sentient and take control of their own futures. But I, I think the one thing to stress here is the, the robot not only, like, what goes into Kiss Laura, but it's very aggressively, like, going after Laura. Like, it's, it, the, like the whole mission of the Urkelbot at this point is to, is to get to Laura. Did um Terminator Two came out last year, right? Like ninety. I feel like we, we talked about it yes, before. Yes, okay. that sounds right. Yeah. Um, he tells Steve that uh, the off switch is only for losers, and uh, like uh, Travis said, the Urkelbot continues to go after Laura. But Steve steps in and says that he has to listen to him because he is his creator. 
And uh, Urkelbot says, no, this is war, nerd this boy. This is war. So uh, we jump to nighttime now. Um, Carl is telling Estelle once again, no Fletcher Thomas. Um, and he's like talking like really sternly to her. The camera, got a whole speech. Yeah, the camera pans out a little bit, and we see that he's just talking to the empty chair in the living room. But then he does call for his mom, sits her down in that chair, but is only able to tell her that he is sorry. And uh, they have a conversation about Fletcher, and Carl apologizes for trying to tell her who she should see and who she shouldn't. Now, just a reminder, Estelle's bedroom is connected to the den, which is where Carl is practicing this speech. Uh-huh. Do you think that she was on the other side of that door the whole time listening, just, just being listening like, to it. what an idiot. Like, what is this guy? What does my son think is going to happen here? Yeah. I mean, it depends how thick that door is, but you're probably right. So um, after this scene, we go to uh, Steve Urkel's basement. Um, it starts off with uh, the Urkelbot looking at a photo of Laura, eventually, I think, kissing that photo and breaking the glass on it because he's just so strong and forceful, I guess. And then uh, we hear Laura's voice call from upstairs, um, and then the Urkelbot lets her in, and she starts to freak out because she does not see Steve. She only sees the Urkelbot, and we find out that uh, she came over because Urkel had called her and told her it was a life and death uh, matter that was happening. And uh, we find out that it was actually the Urkel bot that had used his Steve Urkel voice to call her on the phone and get her to come over to the basement. I still love that they're using the same basement because that basement, you know. Do you is... immediately think of uh, Perfect Strangers? Every time. Yeah. Every too. every single time. Yeah. I'm like, this thing's going to flood any second now. Yeah. So um, the uh, Urkel bot once again tries to attack Laura. And uh, then we hear Steve's voice. He's actually been locked in the closet that's in the basement. And uh, Laura tries to grab a pipe to protect herself from the Urkelbot. Steve tries to uh, break down the door of this uh, closet and is unsuccessful. But on the second time, he does break down the door. The Urkelbot gets the pipe from Laura, goes after Steve Urkel. And then Steve Urkel is able to shoot the Urkelbot with a fire extinguisher, which shuts him down. And uh, he has now saved Laura from the uh, the hands of the Urkelbot. So I noticed that when he broke out of the little closet, that the closet appeared to be filled with like paintings. Oh, I didn't see that. Which I was I thought was funny, and I didn't know if that was supposed to be kind of just a tongue in cheek joke that there's a bunch of hidden like valuable works of art in in the Urkel's basement. Um, but it was like just all the walls had like really like oil paintings on them in the inside the tiny little closet hole. It's pretty cool. But the other thing that I wanted to mention here is, is so Steve stops the Urkelbot with this fire extinguisher. Fire yeah. But what it, so just thinking alternate ending style, like Urkel always freaks out when Laura hugs him or gives him a kiss. Right. Which is what we saw at the beginning of the yeah, episode. Sure. What if instead that had been how they stopped the Urkelbot is that Laura gives him a hug or gives him a, gives the Urkelbot a kiss <laughs> on the cheek. <laughs> and he likes, he like overloads and like frizzes and like freaks out that way. I think that would have been a more fun ending than just spraying him with a with a fire extinguisher. Yeah, I like it. Both would work. Um, but that does not happen here. Instead, no, um, the Urkelbot has been shut down. Um, Laura wants Steve to just turn it into a go-kart, but Steve said it just needs some reprogramming. And Steve starts to like rant about like the reprogramming and then like the future of like him and Laura and what they're going to have. And he just keeps talking and talking and talking. And while he's talking, Laura kind of like walks back up the stairs behind him. Uh, Steve doesn't even realize she's gone. And then that's the end of the episode. 
That's it. And we do know, I mean, everyone knows we're going to see Urkelbot again. This is not the last time he'll make an appearance. Yeah, I don't remember what his role is in another episode. I know that he's in other episodes. I, I don't either. I don't, okay, I'm excited. Um, maybe this epi- maybe this season, probably not. Maybe another season. We'll uh, I mean, we could probably find out pretty quickly. Nah, let's not. Let's wait. Uh, Surprise. I think it's throughout a few. I can tell you. It, it's, a, it's a few seasons. So. Okay. Okay. Um, so then we get the 830 slide. It's Step by Step, Season 1, Episode 7. The name of this episode is Yo-Yo's Wedding. And um, it starts off, we've got Frank telling Carol that it's uh, almost Brendan's sixth birthday and uh, they're going to do pizza and bowling like they always do because Brendan loves pizza and bowling. And uh, Frank says that he's got to go run and do a job. So he runs out and then Carol talks to Brendan about his birthday party and we find out that uh, bowling is really not his favorite thing and he does want to have like a traditional party like all the other kids in his class Mm -hmm. have. And uh, one of the big things that he wants to make sure is that that party is his favorite, Yo-Yo the Clown. Yo-Yo the Clown. So that's about all have we you, know. What? You haven't had a clown for your daughter's birthday yet, no, have you? No, 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 no. No. Are um, they expensive? Um, probably not. I bet you it's like 100 to 200 bucks for the party. Yeah, I'm then closer to two, but that's not bad. And it probably depends on the clown. And uh, we haven't had a birthday for her because, I mean, we've had two years of, like, COVID birthdays and, like... Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. It just hasn't happened yet. So My kid doesn't even know what a birthday is yet, so we're, we're kind of milking that for as long as we can. Like, a birthday or a birthday party? A birthday party. Okay, so he knows that he has a birthday, though. Oh, uh, well, no, no, no. He, I mean, he doesn't really understand that either. He okay. knows that he, he he's starting to understand that he's going to have a birthday next month, but on a very high level, not on like what that actually means. I think he has a better understanding because they have birthday parties at school. So he understands that birthdays uh-huh. equal cake. Okay. But I think that's the only connection he's making so far. Imagine I don't just think not he understands telling your what, kid like what a birthday is like <laughs> ever. Never. Yeah. It's, it might, might, might be a good plan. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, we get our theme song. We come back. Uh, most of the kids are in the kitchen. Carol's on the phone. We hear her talking to someone about the birthday party. And then Frank comes down Carol tells Frank um, she booked Yo-Yo the Clown and she is throwing a party for Brendan. Yeah, yeah. She she booked him and she told, because she's on the phone, like kind of finalizing things with Yo-Yo. And it's funny that she just mentions like, make sure you bring Mr. Wimpy. And Frank's like, who's Mr. Wimpy? Yeah. Uh, Dana comes in. She's got a stack of mail. She ends up uh, giving it to Carol, who hands it out. Uh, notably a wrestling magazine for Cody, which I appreciate. And yeah, and 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 he gets a lot of crap for it too, which didn't make all, which was Frank's, disappointing. Frank's all about it because it's got like some like exercise regimen on how to get bigger pecs or something in the back of it. Yeah, in ten days. And uh, one of the other notable pieces of mail is Carol actually got a letter from Jamaica. We find out the wedding shack, which is where they got married in Jamaica. Um, not only is it shutting down, but it was also never actually licensed, which means. They are not actually married. And the kids are thrilled. Yeah, they finally think they are out of this nightmare. And uh, they, they being the parents, say, hey, we'll just go to City Hall and make it official. Well, that's what Frank says. And, and he kind of has to talk Carol into it because Carol is now seeing that she has an opportunity to have, have more big, of a wedding, wedding they had with thing. the family. I Here's the thing about this. This is a great idea. This is a great storyline concept. The idea that the, the where they got married wasn't legitimate. They got it. So they're not really married. I'm disappointed that they put it in this episode. I feel like this could have been like a solid two part, like really good kind of season finale style storyline okay. where they're trying to figure out how to make this work. 
Um, Keep the birthday party dis- separate. Yeah, like I'm, I'm a little disappointed that they kind of like shoehorn it into this other ep- this episode with another storyline because I think that I love this idea. I love yeah. this concept for a story, and I feel like they could have really done a lot with it. I don't know though. Like, uh, I like though how they did handle it, which we'll talk about later. And okay. uh, I don't know, just like Frank's appearance at different parts throughout this episode. It is very, yeah, you're right. The, I mean, the, the way that it does work is very nice and very, very, it, it's sentimental and it's sweet, but it, I don't know. I just feel like this could have been a bigger, a bigger deal and a more, they could have given more time. Yeah, to yeah, it. for sure. Uh, before this scene ends, we do get another glimpse of horny Frank as he talks about their uh, possibility of a second honeymoon coming up. Right. So Carol comes in. This is another scene um, into the kitchen. She's all dressed now to go get married at the courthouse. She's got a nice dress on. And uh, her mom and her, I think her sister are in there as well. And they're talking about maybe they should have a real wedding. And uh, this idea is kind of seems like it's getting to Carol now. Like maybe that is actually what she wants. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Dana at this point tries to hand her mom a petition. All the kids filled <laughs> it out for the uh, parents to not get married, which doesn't really work. And then uh, Carol's mom kind of uh plays this like sad card again that they're not having a real wedding and then uh penny says uh well if i had a man i would get married at city hall and her mom tells her if you had a man you'd get married at burger king i love the interaction between ivy and penny i just don't really get them as part of the show i feel like they're just unnecessary but i do really appreciate their comedy together yeah um i don't know so then we get to City Hall. Uh, Carol arrives and she tells the, uh, this, I mean, kind of a funny scene here. She's telling the uh, yeah. like person at the window that she's there to get married. And then the lady at the window like tells her, oh, you got to get in line. So she gets in line. And then the person. There's no line. No line. Yeah. She's in the like area where a line would be if there was one. And the lady calls her back over. And then she's like, oh, you need to go to the next window to uh, get this form. And then she uh, closes that window, opens the window next to her, hands her the form. And I don't know. She's just a mess, I guess. It's just kind of like a comedy bit on the just the ridiculousness of bureaucracy and red tape and kind of the silly steps you have to go through just to get a simple thing done. I don't know about simple thing, but something that should be easier done. So Frank eventually arrives to the uh, city hall room. He is covered in uh, dirt and dust and dry rot. Cause, uh, yeah, he's coming from work, obviously. Yeah, he came directly from this house that he was working on. And uh, Carol sees him. She's immediately mad and thinks that he's not taking this day very seriously. He tries to say, well, they don't even have a roof right now. And uh, <laughs> the judge comes in and uh, Carol quickly decides that she is not going to marry Frank. Yeah, she's mad. She runs out. This isn't what she, this isn't how she envisioned it. So we go to the house now. We're in the kitchen. Carol has gotten home. Frank followed her home. He said he even jumped on her hood to try to stop her when she left. And uh, Carol's still mad at him. And she says that she wants a romantic wedding and she wants it to be special. And, uh, I mean, she wants a real wedding, and Frank says, well, okay, we'll do the real wedding. And she's like, all right, well, I've got the reverend ready to go on Saturday. He's like, well, Saturday's the birthday party, and then they figure out eventually what they'll do is they'll have both. They'll have the birthday party, they'll have the wedding. The birthday party will end at 3, and that's when the wedding will start. 
Yeah, and I think it's important here to note because it, the the reason that they've got to do it on Saturday is because the 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 reverend that she wants is going out of town for like six months, so they've got to they're trying to squeeze this in right before he he goes out of town. Yep. So uh, then we jump right to the birthday party. Um, Penny's in the kitchen trying to get like wedding stuff ready. The birthday party's going on out in the backyard. Um, Cody comes in a couple times. He's covered in silly string and. Uh, Penny mentions that uh, someone named Yo-Yo called and said that he couldn't come to the birthday party. So the clown has bailed. No clown. Um, we do get another uh, comment from Cody at this point, too. Uh, very excited to hear that Yo-Yo is part of this because Yo-Yo did his party last year. <laughs> last year. So um, <laughs> the wedding's about to start in the living room. Um, the reverend's there, but he says he has to leave soon because he's got to go catch this flight. And, uh, so I do want to say one thing real quick about this yeah. reverend. Brian O'Byrne is the actor who plays it. He was also the reverend in the uh, the Perfect Strangers episode where they find all the money in the park and they're trying to like figure out who it, oh, who yeah. it belongs to. The reverend that like shows up at their house to claim the money. Oh, Same yeah. guy, also playing a priest. Different, different character name, so I'm not going to say it's a crossover, but just want to throw that out in the world. Um, there's a problem going on right now, too. Um, not only does the reverend have to leave, they can't find Frank anywhere. Right. So we go outside. Uh, the clown. And there's Frank, right outside. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. He's right there, but he's dressed up as Yo-Yo the Clown. We know Yo-Yo couldn't make it, so Frank is now um, pretending to be Yo-Yo and performing for Brendan's birthday party. Yep. So uh, Carol goes out, still looking for Frank, eventually discovers that he is Yo-Yo, and uh, once again, she's mad. She's like, how are you doing this? You know this is supposed to be our wedding. We didn't get a real one. It's supposed to be right now. And uh, you're dressed up like a clown when you're supposed to be in your suit or whatever. So uh, Brendan comes over and uh, he tells his dad, this is the best party ever. And you're even better than the real yo-yo. That's a pretty high compliment to me. Yeah, for you're sure. better than the real the real thing. Um, I think they have a quick hug before um, Brendan goes back off to his friends and Carol sees how happy Frank has made him and Frank explains everything that's going on with Yo-Yo and everything and then she says that he's a terrific father and uh, she marrying him is the only thing that she could ever want to do. Yeah, I mean, she realized that this was done to make make Brendan happy and that, that, was, that was what was, you know, that's what he had to do. So they go inside and then the wedding starts. You get your wedding song. Cody makes a comment that it's the same, that he was surprised that they're playing the exact same song at the last wedding he went to. Cody's and great. Uh, all the kids are walking down the aisle to their seats. Frank and Carol walk down the aisle together. Frank still dressed as Yo-Yo the Clown. And um, they start the ceremony. Um, the uh, reverend asks if there's anyone that wants to object. And all of the kids raise their hands. And <laughs> of course Frank, they do. Frank doesn't put even have, Frank doesn't even have to turn around. He knows that they raised their hands and like told them all to put them down. And then Frank says some words uh, directly to Carol about how he might not be great about this kind of thing, but he knows for sure how much he loves her. And then the Reverend finishes up the ceremony. Um, they're married. Everyone cheers. I don't think the kids really do, but uh, Carol throws out the bouquet. Who uh, it's just taken from Penny, so she's upset. Yeah, like bounces off her hands as it goes back. Uh, the two of them kiss, and uh, Dana 
has the closing line of this episode where she says, and the nightmare continues. And then that's the end of the episode. Hey, that could be your Halloween episode for this week. She says nightmare in it. Because it says nightmare at the end. And he was dressed up like a clown. Yeah. I Sure. All right. We'll, we'll say two, two Halloween episodes so far. It was a good episode. My only thing is, like I said, I wish, I, I think that the storyline had a lot of, a uh, lot of potential, potential that they should, they could have explored. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Perfect Strangers. This is your 9 p.m. show for the week. Season 7, Episode 7. The name of the episode is The Gazebo. And uh, you know it's not going to be my favorite episode because I haven't liked it. Yeah, this is going to be kind of a tough one to even talk about, I think. Yeah, I mean, I ended up writing a page of notes, which I was surprised I did. But uh, yeah, it starts off. Um, Jennifer is asking Marianne if Larry and Balky have started building the gazebo yet. And then we go in the backyard. We see Larry and Balky there. They're talking about building this gazebo and uh, how they don't need to pay professionals to do it because they can do it themselves. And then they show Jennifer and Marianne. Um, and Jennifer tells Marianne that the two of them kind of remind her of Laurel and Hardy, which I had to look up. They're a comedy duo of classical <laughs> Hollywood. Um, the 19- You had to look up Laurel and Hardy? Why would I know them? They're, I mean, they're legends. Like, they're legend. Like, they're just part of comedy, like, why would I? Why would but- I watch them or know anything about them? I'm not saying you would watch them. I don't know if I've ever actually seen any Laurel and Hardy myself, but I mean, I know who they are. They, they're, I mean, they're they're legends. That it's like you don't listen to the Beatles, but you know who the Beatles are. I know who they were. So sometimes. 1920s, 1950s is when they performed as a duo, um, and then the costumes change on Balky and Larry. They are now in these like traditional costumes and like hair and makeup and all the stuff that. Uh, Laurel and Hardy would have on the scene turns into black and white like we've seen before and now it looks like um we're going into like an old like bit of Laurel and Hardy yeah it's like a flashback kind of I don't I don't know know if flashback's the right way to say it but yeah like you said and it's very much I mean this is this is the uh, the new version of the honeymooners episode yeah and I mean it's lots of slapstick it's kind of like uh it seems like it's the pre three stooges like this is where three stooges yeah. got their whole thing from and uh most of it's like silent film kind of style there's a little yep. bit of dialogue in there like music and you hear um like the audience applauding and things like that but it's just this whole bit of them trying to build this gazebo and it's pretty much the entire episode like it's just them like laying out concrete and like getting hurt and knocking over things and climbing and falling and stuff like that. So this whole first part is bit, I actually timed it all eight minutes exactly <laughs> on this first part of just that going on. So and, yeah. And, and it's kind of separated into like the different activities of the, of the gazebo. So like the first eight minutes is basically this kind of like concrete based gag where, you know, Larry's falling in concrete, Larry's pouring concrete in about these pants it's like this whole kind of just like concrete bit that they do for the first third of the show. Yeah, and I think that whole part eventually ends with uh, I think Larry chasing Balky off off camera. Like uh, that kind of ends that scene. Well, because so. Balky at the end, Balky ends up spraying him with the hose. So yeah, Larry chases him after um, spraying him with the hose. So then we go to a quick scene uh, back in the kitchen, real time. Uh, Marianne and Jennifer uh, talking about work. And uh, how they've got a job that they have to do a flight in Japan or something like that. 
and they're not sure if it's safe to leave them or if it's even safe to uh, be there with them at the same time. So then that's where we go back into the uh, old-timey look of Laurel and Hardy. Uh, this part lasting a total of eight minutes and 47 seconds. So Okay. Um, same kind of thing though. I mean, like it's uh Balky filling up a bucket and then not find being able to find his bucket. And right. um, the bucket of course is on the other end of his of shovel. His shovel. Right? He doesn't realize that he picked it up. Yeah. And uh, Larry is blaming Balky for being clumsy. And then Larry's asking Balky to like take measurements of like the steps for the gazebo. And like every time he does it, he doesn't know to like hold on to the other end of the tape measure and then it eventually ends. Um, they finish the gazebo, and uh, now they have to hang up this uh, welcome sign, of course. And uh, this is still like in the black and white and everything. So Larry goes to nail it on a post, and then the entire gazebo falls except for the one post that the sign is on. And then it goes back into actual Larry and Balky time. Actual Balky time, Larry time, and the gazebo is standing, and it looks looks pretty good. Looks so good. 16 minutes and 47 seconds of this episode is in black and white. And that is of a 23 minute and eight second long episode that includes the very long theme song as well. So kind of gives you an idea of how much it was in this episode. Right. So um, we're back to Larry and Balky. The gazebo's done. Uh, Mary and Jennifer come out to admire it. Uh, Jennifer admits that they didn't think that they could do it. And then Marianne and Jennifer go off to work for four days Larry and Balky are sitting on like a bench or something in front of the sidewalk that they laid. They move their um, buckets and toolboxes to reveal that they are actually buried in solid concrete up to about mid-calf level. Yeah. The concrete is dried and they're going to have to break themselves out of it now. And then they do this great bit where they do, they're do they like leaning at like extreme angles to try to reach a sledgehammer and a hoe and like other tools to try to use to break them out of this concrete. Yeah. I thought they were going to like, uh, get an ACL injury or something after this, like the way that they were leaning forward like that. It was impressive. It was impressive. So yeah, that's the end of the episode right there. But then there is some like more like silent, like Laurel and Hardy stuff going on in the credits while the uh, episode's going off as well. Yeah. Yeah. There is a audience for this episode somewhere, but I don't think it's either of us. So you didn't really like it either. Because I think you liked the Honeymooners one, right? I did. Um, I did. I, I'm i not a huge fan of this, like, style of silent comedy. Like, especially kind of in the more short form. Like, I don't mind. There's some, like, films that, you know, when you go back to, like, Charlie Chaplin films or Buster Keaton or uh, the Marx Brothers that I'm, I'm much more interested in. But this kind of short form style of this this classic silent comedy, I've never really had much of a... That's interesting because I feel like they do this type of comedy a lot in Perfect Strangers. And like usually you're a big fan of it. I am when they but see, I think you hit the main point of this is they don't do it for 80 percent of the entire show. Yeah, and it's yeah. not all okay. in, it's not all silent and in black and white. I mean, those if things it's all like make a, a scene for five minutes. You're cool with it, but not. Yeah. The whole. Episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Like I, I appreciate their that that's part of comedy that inspires them. Mm-hmm. I don't want to watch an entire episode that that's just what that they're just doing that comedy. You know yeah. what I mean? If we ever yeah. get either of them on, I'm curious, like if this was like a writer's idea or something that they brought that they wanted to do kind of thing. Oh, 
I, I would almost be willing to bet that one or both of them was like, look, we love these guys. We would love to do some kind of homage or like send up to them and, and that they all work together on this. Cause that makes sense. I mean, it's clear that, that, that uh, Bronson Pinchot and um, Mark Lynn Baker are fans of this style of comedy. Mm-hmm. So I only, I can only imagine that they're, you know, and to them, it's like, this is our way to, to pay an homage to them, which makes perfect sense. And it's totally, totally, Legitimate. This is the kind of thing that this show can do because it's been on for so long. Yeah, it's as successful as it is, and you know, next week they'll do a normal episode, and no one's going to care one way or another. But th- they get to be able to have this kind of freedom and do these kind of things because of how long they've been doing it for. Do so. you know if they yeah, try cool. to do anything like this in like the seasons that we didn't watch, like two, three, I don't. four, or anything like that? No, I, I don't. I mean, obviously the only two that come to mind immediately are this one and then the honeymooners sure. episode. But um, I, I don't know. Okay. So uh, it ends off now, the last episode, well, not the last episode, I wrote down, there's 23 episodes of this show, and we're only on number six. I know, man. I know. Baby Talk, season one, episode six, I've got a secret. So I'm, I will say that I'm kind of interested in, like, the story, like, on and how things are going to go, like, when are Maggie and James going to get together, that kind of thing, but just, like, the delivery and, like, I don't their, know. Their relationship drives me it's one of the reasons why I just can't come like get into this show because it's not that it's like the kind of coy back and forth that you see in a sitcom and you're like, I'm just waiting for the day when they get together. It's not like a Ross and Rachel or something like that. It's like, just figure out what the story is. Like there's, it's, there's no consistency. I feel like in the writing on how these two interact with each other, it's, it's like, it's just lazy writing. It's not, it's not like smart, like let's find out what's going to happen one day. To me, at least. I don't know. Yeah. So uh, we do get another one of these baby intros. Uh, this time it's Mickey and another kid on a pedal bike. And uh, they're trying to figure out why it's not working. And Mickey tells him that his uh, feet can't reach the pedals. And that's it. So uh, yeah. I will say, speaking of the babies real quick, that this episode more so than any of the other episodes this season so far, there's a lot more baby talk in it. And I think that it's pretty. I think that uh, Mickey is pretty funny in this episode. Okay. You'll have to add it in when you feel appropriate. I don't know if I wrote it all down, but. It's uh, I just it just struck me as being a more of an actual baby talk episode. Yeah, I mean, this is season episode six of this season. I don't know how many they record in blocks or whatever, but it does seem like there's a lot of changes in this episode as far as like cast members and like storyline stuff like that. But uh, it starts. They, they off, definitely give more people room to play. Yeah. yeah, it starts off. We're in Anita's apartment. We find out James is going to be watching Danielle and Mickey. Um, the moms are going to go out shopping, and then that's when James arrives. Um, we also find out Tony's in the closet, and uh, we find out from James, because he knows what's going on, uh, that he's in there talking to a girl on the phone because he doesn't want his mom to know what's going on. And we actually see before James gets there, Tony's in the background, and he walks by and grabs the phone and takes it into the closet. So we kind of have an idea before James even shows up of what he's doing in the closet. Yeah, so the moms are gone at this point, and we find out that Tony wants some advice from James on how to get this girl, um, Samantha, I think her name is, uh, how to get, how to ask her if she wants to go steady with him. And uh, (laughs) I wrote down to this so far, like already in the first three minutes of this episode, we've had the most of Tony that we've had all the other episodes combined, probably. Well, yeah, and I mean, the episode starts with Anita as like the main focus as well. So, I mean, we're, we're, we are getting much more of these other characters than we have. I'm just curious if one day we're going to see the, Tony's dad, Anita's husband, that is always mentioned and never 
never seen. Was he not in one episode for a little bit? I haven't seen him. We haven't uh, seen him. I don't him know why I thought he was. No. All right. So, um, Mickey, we skip ahead a little bit to where Mickey and Maggie are going back to their apartment. Um, and then well, well, wait, 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 wait. You're missing a really important part here. So James finds out that that Tony is talking to this girl in the closet. That's why he's in there. And then James, uh, or Tony, makes James swear that he will not tell Anita that that is what's going on. Tony doesn't want his mom making fun of him, picking on him. So he makes James promise that he will not tell her that he is talking to a girl. Yep, and he, they do like a little spit finger lick finger type spit thing. bond yeah yeah and uh it's a solid secret now no one will ever find out ever so um skip ahead to mickey and maggie going back to their apartment james is right behind them he's got all the bags like you think at first that she didn't buy a whole lot of stuff but he's got like 20 shopping bags um i think i think she got those home like before james helped her yeah, out I don't with know. all that stuff um, I think we find out from Maggie here that Anita is worried about Tony, and uh, this is where Maggie is already <laughs> able to get this secret out of James. And uh, the way he he asks for her to do two things that he really loves that she does first, though, which are hula hooping and yodeling at the same time. I I would have loved to have seen the outtakes of this because they both can barely keep it together. In this, in the version that they that they actually aired, so I would love to have seen them both cracking up uh, with this scene. Um, um, so yeah, I, I want to say uh, there's one a couple of things too that I think are fun to point out here. So uh, Maggie does buy James a shirt while she's shopping, but it's I don't even want to say it's too big. It's not even in the same. It's it's like a robe more than a shirt. Yeah, it doesn't size look like a him. shirt at all. Um, which is funny because later we see Tony is wearing the exact same shirt. Um, his fits though. So it seems like Anita bought him the same shirt that Maggie bought for James. And then, um, Oh man, there was something else here that I wanted to talk about. Uh, Oh, I just want to talk about the whole Anita thing. So a big part of why this kind of secret kind of starts to circulate is that Anita is legitimately concerned about Tony, which you mentioned, but it's because he's like being secretive. He's hiding in the closet. She doesn't know what's going on. So she has like a genuine concern that something is wrong and he's just not, communicating with her on, on what that what that is so yeah so after the hula hooping and the yodeling um james tells uh maggie what was going on and uh she tells james that anita will be relieved about everything but um james is like oh you can't tell her because then he, tony's gonna know that i broke the secret and she right. promises she will not tell anita about tony and then they spit swear and nobody will ever hear of this again so uh, from here we go to the laundry room, another set that we haven't seen yet. It's not the same basement as uh, Family Matters Perfect Strangers, though, is it? It is not. It is not, unfortunately. So they're in, they're in the laundry room, and um, Anita and Maggie are talking about Tony. Eventually, Maggie does tell Anita the secret, and uh, Anita is relieved, and she thinks that it's adorable. And she wants to go talk to Tony about it. But Maggie makes her swear, and they do a spit swear. So now we're never going to hear of it again. Yep, never. So we go up to Anita's house. Um, we find out that uh, Maggie, Mickey, and James are coming over for dinner. And uh, Tony, the way that Maggie, or the way that Anita's acting, and like these little things that she's saying, Tony already knows that his mom knows the secret. Right. Um. So he gets it out of her by like saying a different name. And she's like, I thought it was Samantha. He's like, I knew you knew. And then he's like acting like he's all mad at James and then like runs off in his room crying. 
Yep. Yeah. He, I mean, he's upset because his secret was was betrayed. So I think right from that scene, we go to a scene with Tony and Anita talking in Tony's room, right? Like, right. I, don't, I don't think exactly. we see James and Maggie before then or anything. Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, no, no, I think it goes right to Anita talking to, to Tony. Yeah, so they're talking. They're talking about keeping secrets and stuff. And um, it appears that Tony tells his mom a secret about James, but we don't, as the viewer, don't actually see what Tony tells Anita. It's kind of like after the scene, like he starts to tell her and then like the scene cuts. Well, he does tell her that he knows that James likes someone. And then that's kind of the only insight we get into, into what the secret is going to be. So then we go to Maggie's. Um, I think we're at Maggie's, right? This is, yes. Yep. We're at Maggie's. Mm -hmm. Um, James is uh, getting over, like, being mad at Maggie for letting out the secret, and uh, she's making cupcakes at this point. And we find out that he came over, what he said is he came over to change the uh, batteries on the smoke detectors, but she's like, those things don't need they don't to be need changed it. already. Right. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Anita comes over while he goes into the back room to change a battery and starts to tell Maggie that James is in love with her. But um, also, he's using the same. She's using the same lines that uh, James taught Tony to try to like tell Samantha to like tell her that her eyes look like uh, fawns and her hair is shimmering like the sun and stuff. It's like the same stuff that he told yep. Tony. Now, it, uh, Anita is saying that James said about her. So something right. weirds going on at this point. Well, obviously, what happened is Tony told. Anita that James said those things about Maggie, which, which I mean, we know isn't correct. And so she, this is where we're kind of starting to understand that Tony is playing, playing Anita. Yeah. He's kind of just testing his mom to see if she can like keep a secret yeah. is what it seems like. So, um, Anita asks, uh, oh wait, no, doesn't, does James come out at this point? I think from the back. He does. Yeah. He comes into the kitchen and, uh, remind me what happens here like i, I think yeah Anita, so he Anita goes leaves. back in the kitchen he hasn't heard any of this so he starts to change the battery and the smoke detector in the kitchen and while he's doing that maggie is kind of like hey james i read this article about how when people work together a lot or when they're around each other a lot they start to have feelings for each other but those feelings aren't genuine they're really more based on just like being around somebody a whole lot and she's like do you ever do you ever have feelings like that and um and, the, and they kind of have these weird, like, back and forth of, like, yes, do you? Yeah, and yes, and then no. And, I don't know. It's just this kind of weird, awkward, like, them kind of telling each other they have feelings for each other, but also not telling each other they have feelings. I don't know. It, yeah. it was really kind and of And eventually weird. she tells um, she tells James, don't be mad. Uh, Tony told Anita that you're in love with me. And then James is like, that's not what I told him. He made it all up. So yeah. she's confused. He's confused. Um the cupcakes start to burn and then Anita and Tony run over cause they hear the smoke alarm. They smell smoke, I guess. And, uh, all the secrets come out. Um, we find out that, uh, Tony says that he proved that adults cannot keep secrets. And James asked Tony about Samantha. I might be skipping around here. And, no, you're pretty much on. I mean, that's you're, you're right. And, uh, this is where he finds out that they are a couple now, Samantha and Tony. 
And uh, he didn't even use any of James's lines. He just called her and uh, told her that he liked her. And that's that's how. Well, there's a funny there. It's a little bit funnier than that, because what he says is that his dad told him that that honesty is always the best policy. And Anita's like, your dad said that. He's like, yeah. He's like the dad sitting across the room or sitting across the hallway. And he's like, yeah, he said that that's what he did with you. And that, you know, he's been happy with you for, you know, whatever, 20 years. And he's like. I need to go give a big thank you. I mean, she basically implies she's going to go over and have sex with her husband and ask and kind of just tells tells J, uh, Tony not to come home for a while. He's like, Tony, so. go go hang out with Samantha for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know you said you liked a lot of the uh, Mickey lines in this part, but we haven't talked about Mickey talking at all. We yet. haven't talked about it, and I didn't write any of them down. Um, I wrote down his ending he, line. There's one line right here, and it's the only okay. thing I wrote down. So Mickey says, so that's the lesson. It takes two years to learn how to talk and a whole lifetime to learn to shut up. And right. That's all I there was a There was a whole lot of him talking about like how he's the only one that can keep it secret, how like he was also kind of like, oh, no, this is going to come out like James can't handle this. It was him kind of just play by playing the 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 telling the secrets as they went on. Um, I didn't make notes of any specific, but there was more chatter from him in this episode, I think, than the last five episodes probably put together. So. Yeah, so that's the end of the episode. There is another, um, like, baby riding pedal bike scene in the credits. Like, we know yep. that they do now. And that's it. That's our shows for uh, this week of TGIF. Yeah, that's baby talk. Um, I have mine ranked. I don't know if you're ready to go or if you want me to go first. Go ahead and go first. Number four, Perfect Strangers. Um, it's not for me. Number three, Baby Talk. Number two, Step by Step. And number one, The Urkelbot, Family Matters. I'm going to pretty much agree with you. I got Perfect Strangers at four, Baby Talk at three. I'm going to put Family Matters at two and Step by Step at one. I really like, like I said, I really like the story. I wish they had played with it a little bit more, but I do really like the story. And I agree with you in the sense that even though they kind of kept it short and mixed it with the birthday, that that storyline kind of did play really well with Frank being like, look, I'm just trying to be here for the family. And it was pretty sweet. So if you you look at my list, I had Family Matters at two. And then changed it to step by step last step second. By step. Yeah, so I, 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 I could switch those one and two pretty easily. Those two episodes were good, and they're they're certainly a lot better than the the last couple of weeks. So I'm glad that we're back in the kind of like upswing of things. So uh, next week on the show, full week, all new episodes of all four shows. Full week. Um, thanks once again to. Uh, oh, she had such a cool name. I want to make sure I get it right. Nightingale, deep, deep Nightingale for the theme song this week. Yeah, thank you. Uh, make sure you're following us on all social media at TGIFcast. Email address is TGIFcast at gmail.com. YouTube, just search Two Guys Into Fridays. And uh, we've got some stuff coming up. Uh, holiday time. We might get some holiday episodes. We've got some reruns going on, so we might do some extra stuff. we got to figure it out. But uh, just keep up yeah. to date on social media. We'll let you know if you need to watch different stuff than you would expect to. Yeah, maybe we'll swing a, a guest. I don't know, and then uh, I'm sure we'll throw some dinosaurs in there to get uh, get a little bit closer to that as we approach the actual the actual dinosaurs on uh, on st- or on uh, TGIF. So. so what happens? Is it uh, baby talk goes off the air and then dinosaurs replaces it, or is it more than that? No. So it gets it basically turns into like this big jumble at the end of the like it, around the end of spring, like March April. Um, where there's a lot of reruns and they kind of just start like put it like inputting like episodes of dinosaurs in uh they start at basically the end of season two and they only have like four or five episodes before they stop it and they'll bring it back 
they just bring it back in the in the in the fall. Yeah, it just starts as a regular show um, in the fall when they get rid of when they get rid of Baby Talk, and that's interesting, huh? We'll have to talk about that once it happens. But there's a, another piece of it that that I was unaware of. Okay, so, I'm, that, I'm not a, sure how much the, more of in uh, the spring you're saying. Yeah, in the spring is when that they start to kind of plug in the dinosaur stuff. But uh, yeah, we got some big changes next year, so we'll um, we'll we'll look forward to that. Cool. Sounds good. All right, man. Uh, anything else? No, that's it. I don't know how. I, I, I want to mention one thing. So I don't know how many of you are following this night. There's a there's a con going on uh, in Connecticut next year. Um, they're calling it '90s Con. It's like in the spring. I think it's in March. And they've had they've got a ton ton of TGIF people signed up for it. But I know yesterday they just announced um, Daniel uh, Fishel, right? Daniel Fishel, Topanga. Yeah, Topanga. So it looks like they're going to be adding the step-by-step crew to our step-by-step boy meets world crew to to the uh, guest list. So we'll we'll see how that. Ends yeah, up I mean, out, at least but. Topanga we know for sure, and we've already got like a bunch of people from Family Matters and yep. Sabrina and the Lawrence Brothers and uh, Party of Five, all that, like all kinds. Charmed of Charmed is on there. Yeah, it's 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 pretty wild already. So it'll be interesting to see how how much bigger it gets, but. If you're not following, it's like 90s con. I don't know. Just look for it on Facebook. You'll find it. Yeah, you'll so, find it. Uh, that's all I got, Steve. Anything else? No, that's it. All right, man. Have a good week. You got it, dude. It's Friday night. Friday night. And your mood is right. Mood is right. Gonna have some fun. Show you how it's done. TGIF. TBA Podcast.